Well, there's a lot that goes on in state government that maybe we don't understand 100%. And so today we're going to be talking about economic incentives. It's something that is obviously very important. We hear about it all the time. Uh, sometimes it's called corporate welfare. What is it? How does it work in the state of Alabama? We've got Lieutenant Governor Will Ainsworth coming on to talk about that, as well as workforce development. But most importantly, what you're really going to want to tune in for is to hear about what he would do uh, regarding COVID response and what needs to be done in the state of Alabama to make sure that that never happens again. We have an incredible culture here in the state of Alabama, but our politics and public policy don't reflect the people of Alabama. Media drives culture. Culture is what drives politics and public policy. Welcome everyone to 1819 News, the podcast. I'm Brian Dawson, CEO of 1819 News and host of this here podcast. We've got a great episode today. We've got Lieutenant Governor Ainsworth coming in, Will Ainsworth coming in again. We're going to start making a, a regular occurrence, uh, bringing him on to talk about the things that are going on in the state, uh, having him help explain some things that maybe we don't know uh, from a, a perspective where he sits. Um, and today we're actually going to be talking about uh, economic incentives, workforce development, uh, and COVID. I think COVID is one of the biggest topics that we really need to dig into and figure out what can the government do to make sure that this never, ever, ever happens again. I believe Will will have much to say uh, on that. Uh, and then our behind the scenes, we're going to talk a little bit about um, State Highway 43 or US 43, I think it is, uh, going from uh, Tuscaloosa to Mobile and uh, all the hoopla that surrounds that whole situation. So uh, really excited. Before we jump into the content, though, I want to tell you guys, um, go on to whatever podcast platform that you guys use uh, to listen to 1819 News, the podcast, subscribe, click the bell so that you get notifications every time a new piece of content comes out uh, so that you're not missing anything. And then go on social media and share the podcasts. Uh, that way people can uh, find out about the content. If you appreciate it, it's a way to, to help us get it out there. And then also, um, if you can leave a review, leave a five-star review, that helps us uh, get this out to more people. So please do that. And um, without further ado, we'll jump into the podcast. Will, it's not been long since uh, since we had you on here before. We both got the, the blue on blue thing going on. They think we coordinated, but we did yeah, not. I there promise. There we go. Did not coordinate this. Yeah, so. <laughs> it just happened. Great minds and all that. So I want to really just dive right in. Um, economic incentives and workforce development. I think those things kind of go together. You know, from our perspective, we're listening to Oliver Anthony's uh, song, um, The Rich Men, North of Richmond, uh, and you hear the the part where he's talking about, you know, uh, basically money being taken from the work, working class to give to poor people, and we see that that's obviously something that's egregious when you've got, he specifically as the song states, you know, 300-pound uh, people that are five foot three eating fudge rounds on our tax dollars, as he uh, d describes so lovely in the song. But I think with economic incentives, a lot of working class people feel that that's the opposite end of the spectrum. So so they're pulling money from the middle class, pulling money from the working class, the tax paying base, pulling money from them uh, to give to poor people uh, that are fat, poor people, meaning that they they obviously don't have the need for it. And they're they're milking welfare uh, and it's being abused there. There's a lot of people in the working class that, that struggle with understanding why their tax dollars are being pulled from them. And then uh, is it is Greg Canfield the one that basically makes the decisions on what corporations come as the as the Secretary of Commerce or 
Yeah, I mean he's involved yeah. in that. Yeah. yeah, and so some so who's picking the winners and losers here? Why why are we you know taking our money and then giving it to a corporation that's going to come here and then make money? And so it's something that I, I just I don't think that um, has been messaged well or communicated well. Um, I would say that it's kind of the holy grail of of state politics. That's the one thing that you know everybody's all about it. We got to do it. We got to do it. And I think a lot of just the the, the working class population doesn't understand what all the fuss is about. Why, why are we doing it? Why is this one guy picking winners and losers? Those kind of things. Yeah. So first, uh, good to be back on. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Appreciate your friendship. Appreciate yeah. everything 1819 news uh, does for, you know, just uh, telling the truth. I mean, yeah. for also from a conservative standpoint, I think it's important. We keep Alabama conservative and I think continuing to make sure that we talk about issues that are continue to improve our state are important. I like the song too. I yeah. mean, you talk about it. And I think uh, a lot of people, the reason I think that went to number one, I don't know what it is now, but yeah. I mean, it just relates to a lot of people, right? Yeah. And you think about it, I think it tapped into a lot of frustration, anger, and that, you know, a lot of times, not always the case, but people in DC really just aren't representing, you know, the interest of everyday hardworking, you know, people across this country, right? Sure. I think we're fortunate in Alabama, you know, we have congressional as well, as well as Senate leadership in DC that does a good job. All right, but anyway, so on that, yeah. right, but you tie in, all right, so let's go talk about, um, you know, incentives, right? And so you asked the question about, you know, um, a lot of people call it corporate welfare, right? Yeah. Or they call it, um, you know, unfairly targets big businesses. So kind of the history in Alabama on that was uh, Mercedes, right? Yeah. When you look at that first. And so, you know, with Mercedes, they actually came up with cash to give the company to get them here from the state. And if you look at that, that was kind of the birth of the automotive industry, Let's just say we didn't do Mercedes. You know, think about Alabama, what it would look like now, right? No Toyota, probably, not Mercedes, not Hyundai, not the suppliers, you know, I mean, all these companies, right, that have come to our state. And so then, you know, when you look at the growth that's come here and the amount of jobs, and they're good paying jobs, yeah. right? Um, in our state, certainly I think there's an argument for that it makes sense. Then you got to say, okay, why do we need to have? economic development. Well, we got to compete with other states. I know you and I have talked about that before, yeah. right? But I think it's important. But, you know, one of the things, you know, that I wanted to make sure, and I think this is what everybody needs to understand, is what type of return are we getting on these investments? Yeah. And, you know, I didn't know we were going to talk about this, but I just know them off the yeah. top of my head. So this is something yeah. I talk about when I'm on, you know, just talking to groups. So on the uh, growing Alabama, right? It's not no longer we just say, okay, you know, you got a company, you're coming in, that we're just going to give you money, right? Yeah. It's uh, okay, you come in, you know, you're, you're interested in coming here. It's pay as you go tax incentives, yeah. and it's based on um, jobs that are created, and it's a tax credit on that, right? So if you come here, and what's happened is is the spinoff from that, and how it's impacting our communities with the service industry, with new homes being built, with all the stuff that's going on, right? You know, we're seeing a hundred and sixty-eight percent return on you know the Alabama Jobs Act. That's huge. Yeah. All right. So that's the return. So if you said from a business standpoint, Will, I'm going to give you a hundred sixty-eight percent return on something. I'm like, well, sign me up, right? Yeah. So it's working. So I think you know, in the fact that that's working, and then you take the Alabama Jobs Act, which is where we go in and develop sites for construction company. I mean, not for, I mean, for with, um, you know, basically local or different, um, you know, economic development groups, you know, there's some uh, areas that have authorities, right. Yeah. And there's some counties you work with cities. And so this money goes in and 
you know, create shovel-ready sites. And we were kind of behind because we've been a victim of our own success on that, where we've had, you know, so many companies come in, we weren't doing a good enough job. But even on that, um, 91% return on growing Alabama for traditional sites. And now our intermodal facilities and our inland ports, right, is a 71% return. Now, how does that play in the bigger picture of the return we're getting as a state? Well, now, because our economy's growing, because these industries are coming, and because the money really does trickle down, okay, and go down through all the different service industries, all the different, you know, you know, people that are coming here now getting these, you know, 21st century high paying jobs, that's how we're able to do a tax cut. Yeah. Okay. I mean, because now, you know, we're, uh, you know, expanding, I mean, the base, because more people are here, which allows us to lower the rate. Yeah. You know, I mean, and so that's, you know, for our taxpayers. So we were able to get rid of, you know, um, not get rid, start eliminating the grocery tax, right? Largest tax cut in our state's history. You know, that was a big deal. And in my opinion, one of the reasons we've been able to do that is because our state's been so effective at keeping corporations here. Whereas states that don't take care of their companies and are not recruiting new companies, they got to raise taxes on yeah. the people. Does that make sense? No, it does. And okay. I mean, you can see it from the the idea of incentives. What do, what do incentives do? You get more of what you incentivize. I mean, I see all those things. And so I get the argument. And then there's also the argument that, well, everyone else is doing it if we don't. I think the two two kind of key questions I want to go into, um, one is something that I've always, and, and again, you, this isn't an attack on you because you've shown that you're willing to do it. You're already doing it um, with pushing for school choice. You've taught, you came on here and talked about, you know, possibly ending tenure in the public education system, restructuring education to um, really be based off of merit on, on where, where education dollars flow. And so um, that's the kind of creative thinking that it's that it really takes to get corporations here because it doesn't matter how big the tax break you give them if you're fifty second in education people are getting you know mowed down and drive by shootings every day and all of this other stuff that doesn't matter so it's like there's certain things we can do to make Alabama more attractive to where you wouldn't even have to do tax breaks and so if we had um, if we were I don't know say in the twenties in education rather than in the fifties you know right um, in education uh, school choice. This, this, some of the, the 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 very interesting creative stuff that you've talked about in education, if, if those things start happening and we create a, a healthier regulatory environment for business, for all businesses in Alabama, not just the ones that we're trying to, to, to court to come here, um, I think we create an Alabama that corporations would actually want to move to. Because I think, you know, if we had those those key markers of, of, of education and regulatory environment and a corporation would just desire to move here, we've got we've got a great culture. We've got, um, you know, we have. Things that are, you know, cost of living here is fantastic. There's a lot of positives of why you would move here, but we've got these huge negatives. Specifically, I think crime and education, and those two are interlinked. Um, and then possibly the regulatory environment. Um, and so I've already seen you striving to to make a difference there. But I think one thing that I'm just speaking for the people that it's like, okay, if we're, if we're really about getting corporations to come here, why don't we do these other huge indicators that corporations are looking at? Why aren't we just so focused on fixing these other issues. Yeah, no, I think great point. I mean, so I'll say this first, I think, you know, um, having the incentives only part of the piece of the puzzle, right. Yeah. To having a strong Alabama. And I think all those different areas you laid out all make sense and their stuff, right. We got to be tough on crime. Yeah. Right. I mean, just this last year, we passed a bill through our small business commission, um, you know, dealing with retail theft. 
And, you know, and we strengthened the penalties on that. And we yeah. said, you know, we're not going to have rights. We're not going to have, you know, retail theft in Alabama. If you do, you're going to pay the, you know, you're going to, yeah. you know, serve time. I think that's important. I think, um, you know, from an education standpoint, absolutely, we will do better. And we're going to continue to improve education. I think restructuring things makes a lot of sense. Continuing to get rid of regulations and making sure bureaucrats don't run this state is so important yeah. because, you know, that's one of the things that I think I bring a different perspective is that I've been a business owner my whole life. I grew up in a, you know, company, watched my dad build it. I built businesses. And so with that, you know, you really have a different perspective. And like I tell my staff all the time, do not have a government mindset. Yeah. You know, have a business mindset. We want to be lean. We want to, you know, how can we do this job with the least amount of people? Whereas the bureaucrat mindset is how can I keep my dollars? Yeah. And like, you know, we've got to eliminate that. Um, the other things, this, you talk about companies here, right? How, what are other things we can do? Um, I think I've told you this before, but what businesses tell me all over the state, small to large, doesn't matter, is the number one limiting factor to growth is drumroll people, yeah. right? And if you can get me more people, Will, I can grow my business. So number one limiting factor to growth, not opportunity, not the tax structure, not oper you know, as far as just being able to sell or whatever, they got that, right? Yeah. It's just they need more people. And so one of the things is like, don't get me wrong, I'm all for test scores moving up. Okay, but how about let's be known for a state that gets people trained for a job. You yeah. know, 65% of the students in this state end up not getting a two- or four-year degree. How about let's say that's okay. Yeah. That's all right. But we're going to train you to work in the construction industry. We're going to train you to weld. We're going to train you – to be a cosmetologist. We're going to train you to whatever, right? Be a machinist. We're going to train you to operate on these robots, right? That do the welding and that put stuff together. We're going to train you on STEM jobs. We're going to train you to be computer technician. All these things, right, that you could learn while you're in school. What about if we're, my vision for Alabama is for us to be the workforce engine of the Southeast. And if we do that, you know, we're going to be turning businesses away. Yeah. And so how do we do that, right? And we've got 55,000 high school students a year that graduate. You know, we've got to get them trained, you know, for the jobs of today and tomorrow. And so, you know, a couple of stats I'll throw out. I mentioned the 65% end up not getting a two- or four-year degree. 40% of our jobs over the next 10 years will be displaced because of technology. Yeah. That's a big number. So we talk about making sure our students, you know, understand STEM, that's important, right? We make sure they understand technology, that's important. And then there's things, you know, that I think are, we've really got to encourage students to, you know, how do we get them, you know, I learned to work by working. Yeah. Novel concept, right? Yeah. You know, I mean, when, like when I was 16, I worked at Maston's Electric, you know, I learned to bend conduit. I learned to, I could, you know, wire this building, right? I learned all that stuff by doing it. Before that, I mowed yards in our neighborhood, right? But, I mean, yeah. you know, my, my dad, I was going to work, yeah. right? And I think making sure we encourage students to work, to get internships, apprenticeships, right? These are all part of pieces of the puzzle to help making sure we, you know, get people where they're not, to your point, you know, sitting there uh, relying on government to go buy that Twinkie. Yeah. You know, there I mean, it is. so, no. yeah, I mean. I think that's good. Okay. Um Another question, I think, and, and we'll dive whole hog into workforce development after this question, um, because it is, it's very interesting, especially when you start talking about education savings accounts and school choice and charter schools and like really like hyper-focusing on specialization and, 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 and a person who can graduate and move into a job immediately. That's really exciting. 
Um, before we jump into that, though, the the question that I think is what I guess what scares me from the the economic incentive point <clears throat> is when jobs become idols and then then jobs is the metric that everything is measured on. How many jobs did we create? How many jobs did we create? And then you get a situation like, <clears throat> and, I, and I know where you stand on this. So again, this isn't coming at you. This sure. is just overall. So Tuberville makes this huge Department of Defense stand um, against abortion and, and everything like that. And then Joe Biden says, well, the reason we're not moving uh, uh, Space Command or whatever it is to Huntsville is because Tommy Tuberville is doing that. Well, before Tommy Tuberville did that, they were said, well, the reason we're not going to move Space Command there is because you guys have a strict abortion bill. Right. And so what I don't want to see is legislators coming in and saying, hey, we need to water down this really strong abortion legislation that we all, that we all ran on because we passed a very strong abortion policy, uh, a bill in the state. And then and then immediately, as soon as Roe v. Wade got overturned, they realized they were going to have to enforce it. They wanted to start adding all these exceptions. Well, one of the things that's going to happen is these people who are pushing for economic incentives are going to say, hey, we can't have these strict abortion laws because then these corporations aren't going to move here, right? And then you start to see the tail wagging the dog a little bit there. That's probably the thing that makes me more scared of anything. How do we avoid that happening? Yeah, I think we just don't do it. I think we hold the line. I think it, that's why it matters who you elect. Yeah. Uh, but I can tell you, is, you know, people are moving to Alabama not because we're woke, not because we're, I mean, they like our policies. Right. They like the fact that we value life. They like the fact that on Sundays people go to church. They like the fact that we say, yes, ma'am, and yes, sir, right? Yep. They like the fact that in most cities in Alabama, you're safe. You don't even have to lock your door, yep. right? I mean, they like the fact that people still believe in work, hard work here, yep. right? I mean, and that's what makes Alabama great. And yep. so I think, you know, my message to those companies is we're not doing that, period. Yep. I mean, yeah. you know, I mean, we're going to, you know, keep what made Alabama great, right? Our values, we're going to not compromise on those. Yeah. And so if you like our values and you want to come to Alabama, you're welcome to come here. If not, you can go to another state. Yeah. No. And and that's why leadership is important. That yeah. why, why you elect is important because that is, I do, <clears throat> as that space command thing was heating up, there was a lot of conversations about abortion bills and adding exceptions and all this stuff. And um, you know, and I think you're, you're, you're dead on the money there. The, the reason that's the stuff that makes us attractive and we can't be fooled into thinking that's actually something that's repelling business when, when really it's not. Look, let's be honest. We lost space command because they wanted to go to a purple blue state. Right. Yeah. And, uh, Joe Biden's corrupt. Yeah. I mean, you know, we won that on merit, two different independent reports. We finished first. And when you have a corrupt pr a president that does the stuff he's done with his son, yeah, you know, it's no big deal just to take it from a conservative state, one of the most conservative in, in the country, and say, "Oh, I'm sorry, we're going to move it to a state that finished fifth. Yeah. Well, fortunately, we've got you know congressmen like Mike Rogers. Yeah. You know, they're going to fight, yeah. and they're going to fight back. And uh, I think that's going to end up being overturned yeah. because you know I think it's corrupt what they did, and it I think is. it's wrong. It is. It is absolutely corrupt. No, I, I agree with you. All right. Well, let's jump into um, workforce development and then we'll we'll talk about COVID. Um, but so workforce development, um, to me, that that is one of the things that I get most excited about. And then also kind of the conversations that you and I have had, you have a, a much more creative approach to things. It is more business minded than it is bureaucratic minded. And when you start to look at education through the lens of preparing people um, you know, for actual careers, not taking tests so that they can get, you know, certified to this accreditation about this and go to that. Like 
it loses it. But when it's like, hey, Alabama has a huge need for, you know, people to work on jet engines or something because of some plant we have, whatever it is. And you can begin to actually take these people and train them and, 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 you know, and whether it's in eighth grade or ninth grade or whatever, um, the, the direction that it seems like our state is moving with education, savings accounts and school choice, all of a sudden these are starting to look like real possibilities. Tell me some of the things that you're seeing. Yeah. On the workforce side. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, so I think, you know, first thing we're seeing in the state is community colleges, um, traditionally had been more, uh, you go to community college for two years, then you go to a four-year institution, yeah. right? I think it's Sneed State in Marshall County, right? Um, you'd go there, not the case with all the community colleges, but a lot of them, right? And you'd go there, you'd get your core classes out of the way. It was a cheaper option. You could work while you're doing it. I took some classes there, yeah. right? And then after that, you transfer to Jacksonville State, Auburn, Alabama, wherever you want to go, right? And, you know, so from that, we said, wait a minute. I mean, one of the things I told the chancellor, uh, Jimmy Bakers, I said, hey, community colleges need to have two different roles. One is, that's fine. If people are going to go to a four-year institution, let's get them trained. But they also should be part of the workforce engine for that community. And they've stepped up to the plate. You know, I mean, they've done a great job. I've been to a lot of ribbon cuttings in the last 12 months for community colleges that are having workforce development centers to get people trained. And what I love about that is high school students can go to those while they're in high school and have dual enrollment classes. And while they're in high school, they can get trained. And so a couple of things I want to say about workforce development. The purpose of education is to get people ready for a job. Hello. Yeah. Right. And I think we I think back to when I was at Boaz as a freshman in 1996. The question was, and I've said this a bunch, how was I doing on my ACT and where was I going to college? Wrong question. Yeah. Okay. And we get such an emphasis on testing and how are we doing on ACT? And, you know, and there's a lot of people that are really smart that don't do well on tests. Yeah. But it's more so it's like, you know, you give me an employee that'll work hard, that, you know, knows how to work that'll pass a drug test, that can learn a skill set, that has, you know, basic skills in math and science, right? And just understanding that person's going to be successful in life, right? And, you know, and I think we've, we've got to get back to that. I mean, you know, what made America and Alabama great was hard work. And the fact you can go out there and achieve whatever you want, right? And it really didn't matter what you did on your ACT test. Yeah. You know, I mean, honestly, I mean, some of the brightest people I know, Right. I mean, that have been very successful, didn't do well on that. And I think we put such an emphasis on that, that, you know, we've got out of what made Alabama great and we're getting back to it. You know, I think like to when I was at Boaz, I had, you know, you could take shop or home ec. Okay. Well, I took, that was an easy decision for me. I went to shop. Well, guess what? I learned to weld there. Yeah. You know, we built shooting houses there. I mean, I learned all kind of woodworking, you know, you name it. But I learned that there, right? And so I think getting shop, right, or whatever you want to call it, trades back in the high schools, you know, we've got to put funding there. Fortunately, we have enough resources right now that we can start chipping away at that. But I think one of the things we've got to do is say, you know, get back to this idea that education is to get people trained for a job. And we make this like, you know, it's not that hard, okay? What, like, you know, we're breaking this down by region. How many jobs do we need? Okay. And then how many are we cranking out? Okay. So if we're 200 welders short, okay, well then let's add 200 welding classes or 250. All right. And then, you know, if we're, you know, it's going to be a huge shortage of nurses, you know, so let's go ahead and make sure they're starting to, you know, let's up what we're doing on nurses. And so, 
it's really common sense to me yeah. on this. And so I just think, um, unfortunately, a lot of times Montgomery doesn't have a lot of common sense. Yeah. No. And, and education doesn't, right? I yeah. mean, and so um, I think that's going to be a big deal, right? I mean, obviously, school choice, ESAs, no-brainer. I feel really good about that. Yeah. I think we're going to get some passed next session Yeah, that's going to be historic for our state. Um, I'm excited about that. I think, obviously, getting rid of tenure is something that needs to happen. You know, I mean, the idea that we want to uh, evaluate people based on how they perform yeah. should happen in any aspect of life. You know, if I'm not doing a good job, then, you know, don't vote me in next time, right? Yeah. I mean, you know, and if uh, if an employee of mine's not doing a good job, guess what? They get fired. Yeah. You know, that's the real world. And, you know, the fact that we're not doing that in education, you know, I think that's dangerous. Um, yeah. You know, but I think on workforce, it just gets down to, okay, what are the jobs of today? Are we cranking out enough students for that? And before, we really weren't. Yeah. I mean, it was more about even, you know, five, six years ago, it was more about just still about testing and how is – and don't get me wrong. I mean, that's important. Yeah. I mean, but what's more important is, is that student when he graduates – whatever level of education going to be able to be a successful and productive member of society. Yeah. And my dad's generation, you know, my dad was a guy who didn't go to college and then went and worked in a working world where if he would have had a degree, he would have been making 30, $40,000 more a year, you know? And, and so there was a time when a college degree really did set you apart. It really did mean something, you know, it was it, it, to go to college actually meant you got an education now. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, and so, yeah, degrees turn into kind of this idolatrous thing and every single person, people who should absolutely have been in the trades and should have been learning how to be an HVAC person or an electrician or something like that, they're going and getting a basket weaving degree for 200 grand and now they're saddled down in, in, in student debt and all this other stuff. Um, what, what if we would have had shop class for that guy and he would have realized how good he was with his hands and he would be making, you know, 200 grand a year owning his own HVAC shop or something, you know, you just. Right. No, I mean, I think, I mean, those are all excellent points. And I mean, I think back to, you know, I went to Auburn, got my degree in marketing, but I mean, it's just kind of comical to me now. I mean, I think about what I learned in marketing. I mean, Facebook didn't even, you know, it wasn't a thing. Yeah. You know, Twitter, I don't think was around. Right. I mean, so I think about (laughs) the marketing I learned, traditional marketing, and those are all thrown out the window. Yeah. Right. I mean, so, I mean, so much stuff changes. I think about accounting, right. I didn't pay as close attention to accounting in college, I wish I would have. Well, guess what? When I got a business, right? I mean, you better believe I knew about P&Ls and balance yeah. sheets because you know what? It mattered. Yeah. And so, I mean, a lot of that stuff I think you can certainly learn. But, I mean, and look, I think college certainly has a place, right? I mean, and, you know, we got to continue to, you know, make sure we send people there. Obviously, if we've got somebody that's operating on us in surgery, we want that doctor to be the brightest guy Correct. well-trained, right? We want our accountants to know what they're doing to make sure our tax, yeah. you know, um, you know, are done correct. Uh, I think, you know, you want – lawyers to make sure they understand the law and train correctly. Um, And so there's a place for that, for sure. But there's also a place to where I think, you know, we got it wrong 20 years ago. And we really never, we're starting to correct that path. But, you know, how about let's, um, you know, there's a school in Baldwin County, a Baldwin um, Preparatory Academy. It's going to be for 10th, 11th, and 12th graders. Uh, They're going to go in there, had the opportunity to tour it. And, you know, they really want to try to, like, blow up the model of, you know, not having to be focused on test scores there, but hey, how about you rate our school on how many students, you know, job placement that yeah. we do, right? And did we properly train these students for a job? That's a great idea. Yeah. You know, that's thinking outside the box, and I love it. So, yeah. I mean, that's the type of stuff we need to do. That's awesome. 
Well, um, and I, I think Alabama is going to be radically changed as, as these innovations and these these changes tend to happen and opens the door for innovation. I think we're going to see uh, a radically different um, get this weird thing welling up in me. Hope sometimes yeah. <laughs> so you got to keep that down sometimes because things go bad. But I, I really do. I, I feel very optimistic about the way things are going. Um, on that note, <laughs> um, something, um, and, and I'm, I've been known to speak rather direct and harshly on certain things, but I think none more than abortion and COVID, but we're going to talk about COVID. Uh, I believe that ha- what happened bordered on genocide by our, our federal government, um, with what happened in COVID. And I'll, I'll make my case for why I use such a big word genocide. You had a virus that was created in a lab. Um, you know, you go back and you look at gain of function money was being paid for this gain of function research to basically take a, you know, take a virus and, and make it worse and make it so that it doesn't go to animals. It goes to people this is what gain of function is. So the virus is created by us. It, it ends up getting released at a very opportunistic time. Um, you know, but it was an accident, whatever. So it gets out, it wreaks havoc. It's killing all these different people. And then they say, well, what you need to do is uh, if you get sick is just stay at home until you can't breathe anymore. And then we'll take you to the hospital and we'll put you on a ventilator and then you'll die. Or oh, we've got the stuff called, uh, I call it remdesivir, but it's called remdesivir. Uh, we'll put you on that and you're going to die. Right. And so, and, and, but you know, if, if, if you had a doctor like Stuart Tankersley or Jordan Vaughn or one of these guys that said, Hey, we're going to, these guys save thousands of lives. They don't have gotten nowhere near enough credit. Jordan Vaughn, Stuart Tankersley, the concerned doctors, they have saved thousands of lives by risking their licenses and livelihoods to prescribe um, ivermectin to 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 think outside the box and, and actually treat patients with with what they saw and the data they were looking at, you know, they were ostracized. Um, you know, they, they used the corporate media to go out and tell us that, you know, ivermectin was horse paced when we knew it was actually a, um, a, a prize winning drug that had saved, you know, the, over a billion um, pills or whatever had been prescribed cheap, effective, safe, all of these things. But we were, you were basically, they're using the media to, to make us think that it was horse pace and that you could get sick or die from it. No, what you need is the vaccine. And then you look at what's happened with the vaccine and the havoc that it's caused with the, the data showing that kind of stuff. And so I don't think we've ever seen anything on the scale of what was, and, and I get it. This, this virus comes along it catches a lot of people off guard. I give people like a couple months, what they did in the first couple months is what, what they did. But once, once the data became available, um, then that's where it's like, okay, what, what are, you know, that's when I, I guess I kind of begin to be a little bit harsher on my judgment. So talk about how, how we can make sure this never happens again. And really just your perspective on what happened and then how we make sure it never happens again. Yeah. I think, uh, first, so appreciate the question, right? Yeah. I think when you look at COVID, uh, a lot of mistakes were made at federal level, state level, right? Um, and so from that, I think the lesson we learn is, uh, I think everybody panicked. Yeah. Right. I think uh, everybody thought that, you know, you looked at all these numbers, how it was, you know, what was going on. And, you know, heck, I'd never been through a pandemic, you know, yeah. I mean, I don't, and I didn't really know anybody that had. Right. I yeah. mean, so but I think, you know, what I've learned from that is this. Right. One, we'll never have mask in Alabama. Yeah. Two, we'll never have lockdowns again in Alabama. Three, there doesn't need to be government doesn't need to be getting involved in, you know, any type covid vaccine and yeah. you know, pushing an agenda there. Um, and I think, you know, for, let's just use common sense, yeah. right? I think we lost a lot of that, you know, during that whole thing. And so, um, you know, I can tell you, I think, um, you know, five, if we're going to add another, you know, why not five points, right? Here yeah. we go. Uh, but you know, fifth, uh, Dr. Harris had too much power and you Glad know, you went there. it needs to be fixed. Yeah. The governor, that person needs to serve at the pleasure of the governor. Yeah. 
just like any other cabinet position. Yep. Um, because it's dangerous if you've got a liberal in there, what could happen? <laughs> As we experienced. <laughs> so, you know, and yeah, I mean, and it, it, it could have been really it, bad. Yeah. And we, and, you know, we were the ones that kind of showed and, and did the investigative story that showed that it was basically massa who's selecting that person and so you're talking about a lobbying group and it doesn't matter which lobbying group i'm not saying anything necessarily bad about massa but you have a you know a lobbying group that's picking you know that cabinet position that has this much power over our lives on our kids wearing masks in school and getting vaccinated and put it's just it's insane yeah so massa's medical association for those that don't you know right and good group whatever but you know they're not elected by the people yeah you know, and so I think, you know, the danger in that is now we have an unelected group that's, you know, picking a unelected person that we don't have any recourse on. Yeah. And they're doing stuff that, you know, could potentially destroy our lives yeah. and destroy your businesses. And I mean, we lost 8,000 businesses during the pandemic. And so I think the thing that, you know, the lesson to learn from that is that needs to be changed, I think, legislatively. Yeah. It does. I mean, that needs to be a cabinet position. Um, and then if the person doesn't do a good job, that way the governor has complete control yep. over what's going on and can hire fire that person at will. Yeah. And that's a good paying job. There's a lot of people would love to have that job. Yeah. No. And I mean, and I really appreciate that. I mean, from uh, John Cooper to Scott Harris, <laughs> those are some cabinet positions yeah. that a need a change in. So, uh, but one, there's a choice and one right now there's not. And so I would love to see that again. I'm not into political advocacy, but yeah, golly, just as a, as a citizen, as a, as a voter in Alabama, um, to be able to see some recourse to, to, to make sure that we don't have masks, that we don't have lockdowns, that vaccinations can't be forced on people, you know, and then, and then to see that with Scott Harris. So I think those, yeah, and I think, you know, I think the thing, like you always heard, uh, this isn't the flu, it's different from flu. Well, it turned out, I mean, it's exactly like the flu now. Yeah. Right? I mean, it's it comes through. I mean, do you have the flu? Do you have COVID? Nobody knows. Yeah. Right? I mean, it's, you know, similar symptoms now. Uh, and that was kind of our whole argument all along is like, hey, wait, you know, this is just like, you know, flu or whatever, right? Flu yeah. kills people. This And so, you know, I got it twice and was fine. Yeah. I mean, I was out on you know, the ranch there, I live on a farm, right. Working on, you know, cattle, working on horses, you know, I mean, fine, you know, but I I couldn't go interact with people. Whereas if you get the flu, you know, I don't know, after so many hours, you can, you know, you're not contagious anymore. I mean, so I think, you know, I I think that's why I'm saying common sense, right. I think we've got to treat it. And again, we didn't know, I mean, that people didn't know if it was Ebola or whatever at first, right. I mean, you know, how dangerous was it? But I think knowing what we know now, this is just a respiratory illness like the flu. Yeah. And, uh, you know, life goes on. Correct. Yeah. I mean, I don't no, know. I, I, mean, I think that's that's exactly right. right. And again, I, mean, I can't praise those guys enough, but that, that was what, you know, the concerned doctors in this group, they just saw it for what it was, began to treat it like they would that. And then oh, yeah. they saw a huge impact, all these lives saved. But then the conversation wasn't even being allowed to be have. Like they, they, they couldn't have a conversation with Scott Harris about it. He refused to listen to him. And, and they decided this protocol, like, no, this is the only way we're going to do it. And hospitals have to do it this way. And just thinking about how many lives could have been saved if, if it didn't go that way is it's shocking. So, all right. Well, um, any last thoughts uh, or words that you want to? So our behind the scenes, we're going to be talking about um, 
the the highway that they're wanting to build from Mobile to Tuscaloosa. Obviously, last time Will was on, uh, we talked uh, a bunch about LDOT and the problems there. And so we will be doing that as our, our, our behind the scenes. So, so uh, if you're not a member, become one so that you can come see that. But do you have anything else you want to say? Well, no, I'll just say the on the behind the scenes part, right? I mean, tune in. I, I went down there and actually visited with the mayor after I'd yeah. been called out from uh, Sheldon Day from down in Thomasville. And we'll kind of update y'all and you know, what I'll learn from going down there. Okay. That's good. Yeah. Will, thank you so much for taking the time to stop by again. Yeah, no, always be good. Uh, always great to be on and uh, enjoy talking about this issues facing our state. And uh, one thing I want to tell your listeners is, hey, if y'all have ideas that can improve our state, let me know. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't claim to, you know, have the answers to everything. And certainly the best ideas come from the people. So, you know, reach out to 1819, get engaged, let me know kind of what you can do, man. We'll get them done. And, you know, the goal's simple. Let's let Alabama be the best state it can be. Man, it's good yeah. stuff. Will, thank you. Yeah, no, always good to be on. Thank you. All right, guys. Well, until next time, put your trust in God and keep your powder dry.